0: Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello, and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today will be study number 6 of Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to be reading verses 3 through 7. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning and knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach, the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat, and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom The prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. I'll stop reading there. Now, um, in our last study, we we saw that uh, the king of Babylon is a type and a figure of Satan, and the um, uh, Jewish young men, uh, Daniel and his three friends, have gone into captivity and into Babylon. And that is a picture of God's elect coming out of the churches and congregations. At least these four young men are types of God's elect. And we also saw that Babylon is um, a picture of the world, and Satan during the Great Tribulation time, from May twenty one, nineteen eighty eight, through May twenty one, two thousand eleven, an exact twenty three years, was ruling not only in the church, but in the world. And when God's people left the churches and congregations to go into the world, this chapter is revealing that Satan was well aware that the people of God were coming out of the churches, and he was, um, through the instruction given to the master of his eunuchs concerning the children of Israel that had come into Babylon, gone into captivity, he was still after them, still desiring to deceive them, to bring them under his rule and under his control. And uh, here we looked at verse 4, and last time we saw that the children in whom was no blemish, well-favored, skillful in wisdom, cunning in knowledge and understanding science, all five of those things applied to the child of God, someone who has been saved and had their sins washed away. And these were the criteria for those that he desired to come before him. Uh, Also, in verse 5, which is what we're going to start looking at in today's study, he appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine, Which he drank. And what he's really trying to do is to usurp the position of God. And, and we know that has always been Satan's desire. And the King of Babylon is representing Satan. He's a picture of Satan and Satan's rule over the world. That's what the kingdom of Babylon represents. And in Isaiah 14, God shows us exactly what's in view through this usage of the king of Babylon and of Babylon concerning Satan. In Isaiah 14, verse 4, it says that thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How hath the oppressor ceased? the golden city ceased. And then, in verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High, and that, that that's pretty clear in showing uh, Satan's deep desire and intentions to be like God. We even have further confirmation of that in the New Testament, in Second Thessalonians chapter two, beginning in verse three. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And and that is referring to Satan's taking his seat in the churches and congregations as the man of sin and ruling over all the corporate church, all the outward, visible church in the world, all the various denominations. And, uh, it, well, we won't go there, but if we... Would turn to Revelation chapter 13. It says in verse seven and was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. There is Satan's uh, defeat of the churches and congregations of the world and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations and all the dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In verse eight, God is indicating it's not only the people in the churches that will worship the beast, but it is all the unsaved people upon the earth because Uh, Anyone who does not have their name written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world, is unsaved. And they will worship the beast. Uh, So, actually, we we could say that the book of Daniel, uh, as it's speaking of Babylon, it is showing Satan's overall kingdom during the Great Tribulation, And at this time, he rules over Judah. He rules over the church, as well as many other countries historically Babylon ruled over. But all the nations Babylon rules over point to all unsaved people of the world. Satan is the great ruler during the time of Great Tribulation. He is the supreme ruler of the church and of the world. And and that's the focus. It'll be the focus here in Daniel 1. And it'll be the focus in Daniel chapter 3 when he makes this uh, golden image and demands that everyone bow down. Everyone within Babylon must bow down or die. In the burning fiery furnace, there's, there's no other option given. Satan is demanding everyone bow the knee to him. And, 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 and that really is the point of contention it, it, between him and the elect throughout the great tribulation period. And, and here in Daniel, it's focused on the elect in captivity, or the elect living outside the church in the world. And and therefore, it's focused on especially that part of the Great Tribulation when the elect of God came out of the churches and congregations and went out into the world. And uh, Satan centered on them. He was keyed on them. And he was... Doing everything he could to get them to worship him, and he's also continuing outside the church to show himself that he is God. He's trying to um, act like God, and that's why verse five says, "In the king, and that's the king of Babylon representing Satan, the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank. Now, what does that sound like? That the king appointed a daily provision. Well, remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew 6, he was instructing the disciples on how to pray. In verse 9, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And what what does bread point to in the Bible? Well, Jesus is the bread of life. But Jesus is also the Word of God. He is the Word made flesh. And so, God has made provision for His people, spiritually nourishing the people of God by giving them, providing for them, daily bread. And every day, the the people of God are alive on the earth, uh, they are nourished by God. They are kept by Him. They are fed by Him. We're living in a time where God says, Feed my sheep. That is, continue to bring the truth of the Word of God. And, and another way of saying that is daily bread. But remember, we uh, discussed this when we looked at the parallel passage of Matthew 6 which is in Luke chapter 11 and we saw that within the Lord's prayer is a petition for forgiveness of sins actually here in Matthew 6 uh, after uh, verse 11 says give us this day our daily bread verse 12 goes on to say and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. They're petitions for salvation. And so the Lord's Prayer was applicable during the day of salvation. That's why in Luke 11, God, again, teaches His disciples the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Verse 2 begins the prayer, and then in verse 3, it says, Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. In verse 4, but you see, that's for the day of salvation. And the disciples are requesting, teach us to pray. And the prayer for salvation is a wonderful prayer, an appropriate prayer, up until the the day that the door of heaven shuts and God ends his salvation program. and And then at that time, well, how can... God direct people to beseech him for salvation when he's ended his salvation. So he gives another prayer for the elect of God to pray in the day of judgment. And and that petition is seen uh, beginning in verse 5 of Luke 11. And he said unto them, Which of you? shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight. And we can understand that to mean judgment, or judgment day. And say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Now, what are uh loaves? Well, they're loaves of bread, just like today. we ha- We go to the store, we buy a loaf of bread. And so this is teaching us about bread. Uh, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine, And his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I cannot give thee bread. Now that is striking. That is stunning. Because Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer give us day by day our daily bread, and now, well, the door is shut. It's judgment day. I cannot give you bread. And and yet, it goes on to say, and, and here is God's wonderful care of his people at all times. In verse 8, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend. Yet because of his importunity, that is his brazenness in the time he's coming, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Daily bread. You need bread, and you need to be nourished. You need truth from the word of God. Very well, very well, despite the time. Despite the circumstances, that it's midnight, that the door is shut, that my children are with me in bed, that is, all the elect have been gathered already, I will give you bread. And then the parable goes on to say in verse 9, I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. What is, what is prayer? Prayer is asking God. You see, Jesus' is teaching, how to pray in the time of judgment, and what to pray for is bread. This relates to Christ commanding to feed his sheep in John 21. Well, anyway, we're, we're, we're not studying Luke 11. We're studying the book of Daniel, and this statement we're looking at in Daniel 1, verse 5. Let's go back to that. It says, and the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank. Now the, the Hebrew word translated as provision is Strong's number 1697. It's the Hebrew word debar and it is the word translated as word. It's that Hebrew word that is most commonly translated as word in Psalm 119 we we could give many many examples but in Psalm 119 verse 25 my soul cleaveth unto the dust quicken thou me according to thy word verse 28 my soul melteth for heaviness strengthen thou me according unto Thy word, verse forty-two. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. Dabar, dabar, dabar. It's the Hebrew word that identifies with the word of God, and here in Daniel, notice the the arrogance. Notice the. Uh, the incredible pride of Satan. That's really what this is pointing to. Uh, and, and, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar historically was an arrogant king, a cruel king, and certainly very proud himself. But, but he's pointing to someone who is even more arrogant and more cruel and and even prouder and that is satan the devil the serpent the evil one who uh, who because it's god's plan because it is the time of the end of the world and uh, you know that's the only explanation for what we see in the church today and what we see in the world all around us, when we look at the history of the world, there, there has never been a time like this. There has never been a time when Sunday, uh, the Sabbath day became meaningless, became, um, without any significance without any observance for all intents and purposes across the face of the earth like today like this time when sports becomes the god and sports becomes the reason for sunday football sunday becomes uh, the the king over Sunday Sabbath over God's holy day. And it's never been that way in history. The way people dress today has never been like this in the history of the world. The way people talk has never been so vile as it is today in all the history of the world. The way people act, the way people think today has never been so evil as any time past in the history of the world. We see a world that has been dramatically, drastically changed, and the reason is the time. We reached the time of the end, and God loosed Satan. He loosed Satan, and. And we see the effects everywhere in the world. If if it were only things we're seeing around us, we wouldn't know what was going on. But it is the Bible, the Bible that is teaching, and the Bible that is showing us this is the time. This is the time when the biblical calendar of history is laid out over these evil days these dark days and when we see the great tribulation laid out and the the changing of the world the the falling away of the church and the timeline for the great tribulation and now judgment day we see perfect harmony with the teaching of the bible or to put it another way if this were a hundred or a hundred and fifty years or two hundred years ago, and, and the Bible is talking about man's desperate wickedness, that, that the time of the end, as we read in Romans chapter one, let's just turn there for a second. In Romans one, it says, I'll, I'll just read a couple of verses in verse 26, for this cause, God gave them up Unto vile affections, for even their women, they change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Okay, now let's say it's 150 years, it's time of the civil war. Or it's the, the time of the revolution. It's 1776 or it's whatever past date you want to pick. And you, you see what it says here concerning God giving man up and women with women and men with men. And you look around and even though there was that sin, it was in the closet and certainly Hardly anyone was involved with that sin to the degree they are today. And and so people would look around, they wouldn't see it. And all the language of fornication, or Matthew 24's language of uh, men's hearts growing cold, and iniquity abounding. Well, people would look around and see a constrained people. It was an evil people. They had the same desperately wicked heart, of evil that all unsafe people have today, they had it also, but God the Holy Spirit was working, holding back the evil desires of men, and in their dress, they would have dressed very conservatively, modestly, and in their language, and and I'm not just talking about one country, this would have been all over the world. They, they would have been refrain in, in the way they spoke. Yes, you would still have some sailors that, uh, you know, there used to be uh, a phrase, curse like a sailor because it, it was primarily limited to sailors who curse that way. Today we have 10 year olds and, and uh, teenage girls that curse worse than sailors ever did in time past because Everything has changed. In every area of life, it has been unleashed because Satan was loosed. Satan was loosed. That's an absolute teaching of the Bible. We know that absolutely from the Word of God, the Bible, and all of the indicators, all the evidence of everything all around us, confirms that happened. That is a fact. Without any question, Satan has been loosed. And by God's grace, we know when. We know when. We know uh, when was his period of great rule as this ruler over the church and world trying to show that he was God. And it was during the 23 years, again, concluding on May 21, 2011. And during this time, well, here he is. The king appointed them a daily word. He appointed the children of Israel. Of course, it would apply to all those within the churches and congregations. It would apply to them as well. Because he's the one ruling, and it's his emissaries that are instructing the people, that are teaching in the pulpits. They're they're teaching uh, doctrines of men. They're teaching other kinds of gospels. Here is your daily word. Uh, can you see how he is doing his best to be like God? Uh, it, it it is always been satan's desire from the very beginning when he hatched and conceived the the sin the evil idea that he could conquer man man made in god's image and and this was done back in the garden of eden soon after the creation he came uh, in dwelling the serpent and he deceived Eve and Adam and and they bowed to him they did service to him by believing the lie over the truth and oh it puffed him up it puffed him up tremendously because these creatures you know in the Psalms it says know ye that know ye not that you're God's Because we're made in the image of God. Of course, we're not God, uh, Elohim. We're not the Almighty. But we were made in His image. And Satan deceived us. And through that deception, he conquered man. And by the right of conquest, he began to rule over those made in God's image. And uh, yet it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. He uh, always wanted to rule over all, and God had this salvation program whereby God saved certain ones, translating them out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And with that transfer, they no longer serve sin or Satan. and. And so he's been after them ever since. And he goes after the corporate body of Israel and the corporate body of the church in its time in order to make sure that everyone worships him, that they bow down to him. And that is his focus here with these Israelites, these children of Israel that were taken out of Judah Brought the Babylon. Now I will provide you your daily word. I will provide you your daily word. Now, how does this, we, we can see how Satan provides the daily word for those within the churches and congregations, people sitting in the pew today and during the 23 year great tribulation period when God's spirit had left And Satan's spirit entered in. He was the man of sin ruling. And it was his emissary's teaching. But how does Satan attempt to provide a daily word for the elect who came out of the church? And notice I said attempt. Because we'll see as we continue on in Daniel 1. That Daniel and his friends are going to refuse the king's meat and the king's wine they they do not want to pollute themselves with these things, and so they make request of the Prince of the eunuchs if they can have their own food and and not eat these things. Now, keep in mind that the uh, Jews had their own dietary laws. Because God gave them those laws, especially laws concerning meat. Uh, Remember, in Leviticus chapter 11, Leviticus 11, and beginning in verse 4, it says, Nevertheless, these shall ye not eat of them that chew the cud, or of them that divide the hoof, As the camel, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. And the coney, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. And the hare, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. And the swine, though he divide the hoof, and be cloven-footed, yet he cheweth not the cud, he is unclean to you. Of their flesh shall ye not eat And their carcass shall ye not touch. They are unclean to you. So uh, on one level, concerning the law of God, regarding which meats were to be eaten and which meats were not to be eaten, already, already there is a pressing upon The elect, the children of Israel, and not everyone that came out of the church was elect. And so, the testing program for these Jews, these Israelites, which typify believers coming out of the church, has not ended with their coming out of the church. There was a test or a testing program while they were within the church, uh, yes, and the big test, finally, was, uh, will you obey God, or will you obey um, your pastor? Because God says, depart out. God commanded, flee to the mountains, to all that were within the churches and congregations, because God realized that he had loose Satan, And for the benefit of his own people, he said, you must get out of all churches and never return. That's the teaching of the Bible. Well, someone might say, well, well, you're saying that out in the world, uh, the king of Babylon or Satan is ruling there too. So what difference does it make whether you're in the church or out in the world? Satan is ruling in both places during the great tribulation. What does it matter if you come out of the church or stay in the church? You still have Satan as the ruler. Yes, but the church was designed for worshiping God. The church is a place of worship. And, and that's why the emphasis in second Thessalonians chapter two, who opposeth and exalteth himself, Above all that is called God or that is worshipped. That's the point of Satan's entry into the church and his taking his seat to rule. When when you hear that language, just imagine when someone goes into the church. And why do they go into the church? It is to pray to God to worship God, to sing God's praises, and yet God is gone. And Satan has instead been um, set up, uh, the abomination of desolation, standing in the holy place, and therefore worship is not going to God. It is going to Satan. And and yes, it's through deception, but Satan is very comfortable in receiving worship through deception that's how it all began back in the garden of eden and uh, fine if you think you're worshiping god he could care less when in actuality it's going to him because you're believing the lie you're believing him he is the father of lies and and therefore you are honoring him, he would feel. And so that's no place for the people of God. It is for their benefit, for their necessity to get out of that place, go to the world where Satan is also, yes. But the world is not the place of worship. It's not a place set apart to worship God. And therefore, God's people Went out and, and there Satan began to operate. Yes. And, and was ruling over the unsaved inhabitants of the earth. Yes. And was changing times and laws. And well, how then could the king of Babylon uh, set a daily word of his meat and drink, his wine before The elect, isn't that language that fits with another kind of a gospel? Well, again, let's look at the world, the world that has so incredibly changed over the last 20, 30 years. And and we see, if we would go back to uh, the 1970s, of the time before the loosing of satan the time before the beginning of the great tribulation and we would we would find on sunday we would find on sunday yes it was beginning to rot away things were beginning to um dis, uh, the descent into what would later come in certain areas but still there were laws on the books that businesses were not to be open you know concerning sports and and i 'm mentioning this because we we know that the Super Bowl's playing uh today and and oh, oh everybody 's going to watch the Super Bowl, and many many professed Christians, even within churches, they have super Bowl parties, and well that we know the church is is uh falling away, of course they will but what about God's people outside of the churches, outside of the congregations? Have we been giving in to the king's daily word, to the king's meat and the king's wine, not the, the king of kings, but the king of Babylon, to Satan as he has uh, been, uh, as it was given to him by God, to have increased rule as iniquity abounded all over the face of the earth, and as Sunday in the eyes of the world has become meaningless, and so the rise of sports on that day has become the new idol, the new God. Have we, the people of God, bowed the knee? That's the whole point. That's the whole point of Satan's providing for these young Israelites their daily word. He, he is going to make changes. And these changes will affect society. They will affect the the Sunday Sabbath. They will affect marriage and divorce. Uh, just, just compare marriage and divorce today to marriage and divorce of the 1950s or 60s or 70s. And there is no comparison. The marriage relationship has been shattered through the loosing of Satan and, and all that that involves. Or, of course, it, it gets worse and worse in our time with same-sex marriage and, and so forth. But But there are many, many ways that pressure has been applied to the people of God through living in the world. And it is doctrinal pressure. We we shouldn't be deceived by that or even though the world's not talking about doctrine, the world is not as obvious about it as within the church when, when you meet someone who's a professed Christian and you have a disagreement because well the child of God says now the Bible says this and and they have their other kind of other standing and and that's an obvious disagreement over doctrine. Well, the world doesn't come quoting chapter and verse and and trying to say now now sunday uh, the the Bible says that we can do whatever we want on Sunday and we can work if we want, we can cut the grass, we can watch the game or go to the game uh, no, the world doesn't say that the world just ignores the Bible. It does what it wants to do on God's holy day without taking into consideration the word of God. And therefore it acts as though there is no word of God. There is no law concerning Sunday the Sabbath. And yet there is. There is, it says in Isaiah, in Isaiah 58. In verse 13, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of Jehovah, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in Jehovah. So God says, yes there, there's a law for the sabbath turn away from doing your own way and and seeking your own pleasure but uh involve yourselves in spiritual things spend sunday in the bible now by the way i'm i'm not teaching this because uh, uh, you know i'm trying to get someone to not watch the super bowl frankly it, that's my, my concern but it just so happens that this is an excellent example of how the elect have been tested the elect have been tried over the course of these uh, many years since the great tribulation began and, and continuing into today concerning towing the line or or bowing the knee or or compromising the things of God, because of the way the world has gone. And the world has gone so far off course, so far away from the truth of the Bible, that it could be easy for a child of God, who's out there mainly on their own, as far as other believers are concerned, they have the word of God, they, they have their fellowship with God and that's sufficient, but all around them in family, in neighborhood, in work, in society, all around them, there is no problem, no concern in these areas anymore. And it's a tremendous influence upon them, pressing upon them to conform to the way of the world, and there is the king's daily word. There is the king's meat. Now, the word "meat" in the Bible, as we saw with um, the the God's laws concerning what could be eaten and not eaten, and in the New Testament, uh, the Lord in Acts chapter ten shows Peter a vision of unclean animals. And he tells Peter, Rise, Peter, slay and eat. And Peter says, Not so, Lord, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And God brings that vision three times, and then says, What, what God has cleansed, call not thou come. And and then following that, there is um, an embassage come from Cornelius, who is a Roman, and therefore a Gentile, beseeching Peter that he would come. And and Peter normally would not come because he's a Gentile, but due to the revelation that God gave him concerning the unclean animals that were now to be eaten, he realized that God is no respecter of persons, and that the gospel of God has heirs of salvation Amongst the Jews and the Gentiles. That is the, the Gentiles were included in God's salvation program. It was a change in doctrine that was illustrated through the change in meat. And, and that, uh, is not coincidental. Meat in the Bible relates to doctrine. In Hebrews 13, It says in verse 8, Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. That is, uh, do not occupy yourself with strange doctrines or strange meats that are unprofitable. And... And so the king has appointed a daily word of his own meat, his own doctrine. And, and that is the, the danger. That is the test for the people of God living in Babylon, living in the world at the, the end of the church age. They, they have no longer fellowship to go to. In that sense of a corporate body, they might find a few friends or a fellowship group. But primarily, most people are on their own. They are in Babylon, the the ruthless kingdom, under a fierce king, a cruel evil king who has no good intention towards them. It it is uh, about as bad of circumstances as anybody could imagine. And the king now is coming to them because he wants them to eat a certain meat. And he wants them to drink a certain drink, his wine. Not the wine of God, not the meat of God. This is not the bread of God, his the Lord's daily bread. This is the daily provision of the evil one. That he desires for God's people to partake of. It is what Satan is hoping and, and pressing towards for each one of the elect that he has not been able to get uh, a hold of. These are the ones that, that came out of the church that, that, uh, were made aware of the underlying deception of what was going on spiritually within the congregations. These are the ones that refuse to bow the knee within the church. And so more deceitfully than ever, it's not over. It's not very direct. Is it just living day by day in the world day by day as the world changes, meaning, it goes after evil and sin more and more and, and our workplace changes and our neighborhood changes and the things we read in the newspaper change. The, the media's presentation of information changes and, and everything very uh, much below the surface is changing and changing and the pressures are being put to bear upon the elect to change with them, conform, conform, and and if I cannot get you to deny God very directly and obviously to to the true believer by worshiping, uh, this is as though Satan's speaking by worshiping me within the church, then I will get you. Uh, in the old proven way of deceiving you out in the world, just as Satan deceived Eve and Adam. And, and that is what's in view here. The, this is the focus of the meat and the wine. W- well, we, we know, for instance, there's much I wanted to say about the wine that'll have to wait, but We we do know what does God say about wine and strong drink for the true believer. Well, in Proverbs 31, in Proverbs chapter 31, it says in verse 4, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. Why not? Why not? Well, God goes on to to give reason. He doesn't have to. That it's good enough if God says, "Thou shalt not drink," and He does say that. But He goes on to say in verse five, "Lest they drink and forget the law, and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted." You you drink the wine, and uh, we we know naturally. That alcohol makes people forget things when people drink and the next day, uh, they, they can't remember a lot of things that they did or said. And that, that's what alcohol does naturally. Well, imagine here the child of God, uh, is clinging. We should be cleaving to the word of God for our very life and, and hiding God's word in our heart. Yes, of course, that's referring to Christ in the first instance. But we ought to be meditating upon the Word of God, memorizing Scripture, trying to get it as close as possible to the Word of God, the Bible, and and you're drinking, and you're drinking, and you expect to remember a verse? You expect to remember a, a very fine, detailed point of a spiritual meaning? Well, no, no, forget it. Uh, literally, you you will forget it if you drink. Now, that's on one level, but here in Daniel, Daniel, it's the king's wine, the king's wine. It's not for kings to drink wine. It is not, and a king would be a type and a figure of one that God has saved and made of the royal family of God. We, we are a child of the king. We become a king. We are of royalty. And, and, and so it is not for kings to drink the literal wine nor spiritual wine, spiritual strong drink of wrong doctrine, wrong doctrine of, of lies and, and deceits. As it says in Isaiah chapter, 28 in uh, verse 7, But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. And that's very clear that God is connecting Erring through wine and strong drink to, um, to stumbling or erring in vision and in judgment. And, and vision identifies with the word of God. Some of the books of the Bible begin with so and so, uh, received a vision. And then the, the vision is written down throughout that book. It's the word of God. And, and, and that is doctrine. They are involved in other kinds of doctrine and yes again if we're in the church we we recognize that we understand that satan comes with uh other kinds of gospels he tries to deceive us concerning doctrine oh but we're too smart for him by god's grace we're too wise for him and He's not able to deceive us in the church. We got out of the church. We escaped the uh, temptation of Satan to err in wine and strong drink. Only outside the church, he is pressing upon us his wine. He's pressing upon us his meat. He's pressing upon us and pressuring the people of God To eat and to drink, there is strong temptation, strong testing of God's people out in the world. Well, we'll, we'll have to, um, look more into this drinking of wine and, and just remember in, uh, Revelation with Babylon, God speaks about the cup of wine. That she made all to drink. Now, uh, that's something you could look into uh, between now and the next time we get together in our Sunday afternoon Bible study in the book of Daniel. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.